Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we are back in Thailand, in Bangkok, with a long-term hasher. Somebody who's started hashes, hashed all over, and traveled the world, started out in Canada. But from Bangkok, welcome today, Ibo Ibo. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Ibo Ibo, let's yep. start with your hashing origin story. Tell me when and where and how you got to your first hash. We'll, we'll give you the, the unofficial, uh, which is not what I claim to be my mother hash, which is Manila Mix. I'll go over that in a second. However, my first hash was actually in 1988 by a longtime Bangkok hash committee member. And I believe his mother hash was the Bangkok hash. And that was Bill Cooper, who introduced myself and several other U.S. government uh, officials, trainees at, the, in, at that time to what the hash was all about. And that was in Virginia in 1988. It was a one-off, but it was a, it was a regular hash with the full circle and, and the down-downs and the party afterwards, on, on, on. And I don't claim the one-off as my mother hash. However, that was my very first hash ever in 1988. I then transitioned over to... Let me dig into this one. So 1988 in Virginia. Do you know what club it was with? No, it, it was not a club. Uh, it, was a, it was a one-off. In other words, Bill Cooper, who was a regular... I think he was a JM... I know he was, I'm pretty sure he was on sect. Anyway, he's a, well known to Nima. Nima knows him well. He, he had gone back to the States, left Thailand, and I don't remember the year he left Thailand, but in 1988, we came across each other's paths, and he introduced myself and a lot of other junior U.S. government officials to the hash. And so it was a one-off, and it was one of these, hey, I want to introduce you to it. You guys will be overseas working all over the world. The hash is great. <laughs> And we did it. So it, it, it was super. It, it, it was not a, a formal hash in the sense of it, it was not a club. It was not a, a kennel. It was yeah. simply Bill, Bill Cooper and a one-off. No, but it, it was the first thing. And he called it a hash, and you went to it. Okay, so oh, yeah. where, where was it? Let's just get a little bit more specific. Where was it in Virginia? That was in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay. It's, were there any other hashers? Was just him and all these neophytes? Him and all the neophytes. No one there had ever hashed before. There were We were probably in the range of like 20 people, both male, female. And it was, it, he explained it all to us. He explained the marks. He sang songs. That's what got me, in my case anyway, enough interested that once I left shortly thereafter, the next year to Manila, you know, it wasn't a question of trying to learn about the hash. It was trying to find the hash. That was all. Yeah. Well, let me just ask one more question. Sure. Do you, do you remember others about 20 other people there? Any of those other ones become hashers? At least several of them hashed, uh, but I do not know that any of them ever became truly a serious hasher the way I did, based on Bill Cooper's introduction. All right, let's get on to where you went next and how you became a serious hasher. I departed uh, for my first overseas assignment with the U.S. government in 1989, and ironically, I was so busy, even though I was looking for the hash, and I did join, I joined the Manila Mixed H3, which was on Mondays back then, and they've had some kind of transition in terms of the name of that particular hash but but it was at that time there was the manila h3 the men's men's hash you know the original hash in manila and then there was the manila mixed h3 which was my therefore if you want to call it organized hash mother hash 
that was on Mondays. I was not hashing a lot. I was there with my first ex, which my wife, then wife became my first ex, and she was also a hasher. She never got a hash name. I was so busy, I didn't even realize that the inner hash in Manila was going on at the same time I was there, and the hotel right. the hotel used for Manila inner hash was right across the street from the U.S. Embassy. I was simply too busy, though, then to take part in the inner hash, and again, that was really my first introduction to a formal, regular hash. Yeah. And so what was it like? What was Manila hash like in mixed in 1989, 1990? It was a good size hash. I mean, I would say, you know, it was Mondays, so you had the... Manila has always been notorious, just like Bangkok, for its horrendous traffic. A regular Monday hash might have been 20 hashers, mixed hash, obviously. You could only get so far in that much time, so they were city runs. It was rare that we went outside the city. I didn't hash with them a ton because, again, I was very busy. It was the beginning of my career, and then I left the Philippines early in uh, 1990, so I didn't really get a chance to hash with the other hashers. I hashed with the Manila H3, you know, the the men's hash, Uh, but it it was probably one or two times that I hashed with them, and I never got the hash in Angeles or Subic or any of the other really famous hashes at that time. Right. Okay, then where? I was back in the States, and I was actually hashing in D.C. I was back in the States for a year. I was taking a new language, and I was on my way off to Luxembourg. In those days, in 1990, it was mainly the, the White House and D.C. men's Great Falls hash uh, on a semi-regular basis. And I would say probably if I picked one, I was mainly hashing with the White House hash. And, and who was in charge and who was the GM or RA at that point? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Uh, I wish I could remember. I know <laughs> the D.C. men's, I think Free Willie was there then. And Garth, you're asking an old an old codger to remember the exact hash names at those times. And I, I know, it's all right. They came up with a couple. If you look at some of the people that were hashing back then, I would say that, you know, there were there were a lot of the old regulars still at that, that time anyway on, on the uh, the D.C. men's and definitely on the others. I, I, I would say, again, though, though, that I mainly hashed with the White House, which has changed a lot. Some of the others, like, Every you know, every day is Thursday or whatever. Not every day is the, the every Thursday. day is every day is Wednesday on Thursday. And, sorry, every day is Wednesday. That hash did not exist then. Right. Uh, there were only a couple. There, Fort Eustis was around. I wasn't hashing with Fort Eustis at that point. Quantico and some of the others. So is that another short stop? How long did you stay there? That was yeah. That was uh, I did a year of German and, and headed off to Luxembourg. Then I hashed quite regularly in Luxembourg every week. I was one committee member. I was one of the more active and let's just say I was one of the bigger hairs at that time in Luxembourg. And that was a very nice hash. In those days, we hashed all over the place. We traveled a lot, traveled to the mannequin piss. We, we did the very first ever Eastern European inner, inner hash in Warsaw, 1991. We did the very first ever Euro hash in Paris in 1991. So it was very active hash. Good numbers always in the, the 20 to 30. We had a lot of U.S. Marines on it. A good mix of different expats, Europeans, obviously, and, and expats from around the world. Yeah, that was a great time of hashing. There were a lot of hashes launching. And, yeah, some of those continental events were just getting started. That was a great time to be around. It was the first time I fell in love with another hasher, and that was Woodstock from Copenhagen. <laughs> to, to no avail on my, on my part, but that's, you know, when you when you meet all these lovely Europeans from around the different countries and stuff like that, and we'd cross paths constantly, and so those were uh, some fun times. You had more time, and what was your what was your very first role in mismanagement? Oh, I think actually, if I recall correctly, 
at that time, I, I, I took over or I was uh, either acting or officially the RA at the Luxembourg hash uh, simply because of, you know, how it is with personality. You either take over because you've been appointed. I got there in a little bit, I think, August of 1990 and left in 1991. I was only there just under a year. I, I was acting as RA, so I wasn't yet in any AGM or JM position or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that was still pretty early in your hashing career. It was, that, and I would say that was truly the very first time, though, where I hashed every single week, and any trip there was, I was on it. That was the first time I truly, like, I'm going to hash and do everything. And so you had seen the hash in your launch hash in Manila and D.C., and then when you took over as sort of acting RA, what was the circle like that you ran back then? And what tradition, did you bring any outside traditions when you started that? No, they, they, they had their own traditions, what do you want to call it, in terms of the songs were pretty, pretty routine. We didn't have anything like a hash shit or like in Bangkok, how you've got like tits of the week or prick of the week. We didn't have any of those, those things. It was more or less along the same lines of traditional down, down songs. Not a lot of fancy songs, but enough enough songs to keep it fun and lively. Basically, sing and do whatever we wanted. So, were they using hash names by then? There. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They they you know we had hash names and I named some people. I don't remember all the names. Uh, you know that I passed out at those times. I, I received the name from them, but it, it was like a, a one off. I never took with it because I worked for the U.S. Embassy. So you can imagine the name they gave me. Well, you can but, say it. You can say oh yeah, no, I was like they they named me Spook. Like everyone, who <laughs> you know, they they were very creative, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And and then later on, I, I French Lick. It was changed to French Lick. I mean, I'm a Francophone by by family and birth. The rest you can use your own imagination. But the the Spook didn't take. But they tried to put that on me, and then it was changed to French Lick. That happened in Luxembourg. Yeah. Let's just jump. To how did you get your name, Evil Evil? Concurrent with my U.S. government job, I was in the uh, U.S. Army, initially uh, active duty, and then uh, mainly in reserves after that for about 27 years. And I was doing regular routine every year for about five or six years. I did my two-week annual training or annual active tour at Camp Zama in Japan, Samurai Hash. Back in those days, especially, it was Fukin Lawyer, a lot of the great guys that hash there on a regular basis and still go back there from time to time. Shit on my right. face was in Tokyo. But anyway, it was Fukin Lawyer and a bunch of the others at that time, Gimpy and, and Gimpy-san, if you want, and a lot of the, the, the Japanese hashers. The samurai, no matter how long you've hashed in your life or whether you've never hashed in your life, on the sixth hash of the samurai, you get a samurai name. And they, uh-huh. again, they don't care whether you've got another name. They simply... On the fifth run, they'll ask you a whole bunch of questions, the usual things, you know, your favorite position, your favorite animal, all, you know, all the little things. And then on the sixth hash, they will give you a thing. So I had been hashing there already two years in a row during the my two-week AT. So each of those two weeks, I'd get in at least two runs because they ran, run, they run, ran on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And on the third year, they obviously knew me well by that point. I was always in touch with these people. Some of them I saw at, at major hashing events. And then I came back every year, and they knew my personality and everything else, and they wanted something along the lines of French Lick. And uh, I was obviously very active with their the female participants of the Samurai Hash. In fact, I, I got engaged to one, not married, but engaged to one. And on the sixth hash, which was an away hash near Mount Fuji, uh, Ibo in Japanese means bumps, and Ibo, Ibo, is a French ticker condom. 
And thus, I was renamed, well, I was named by the samurai, Ibo Ibo, I-B-O, I-B-O, with the I being pronounced E as opposed to I. It's stuck. Unique enough names in the sense that no one knows what it means, and they'll always ask you. In fact, a lot of Africans think I think they think it came from Kenya or something like that, because in Kenya it also ah, has, a, it has right. a sexual connotation to it. But anyway, they renamed me Ibo Ibo, and I stuck with that. You know how it is. You, and then you start going on the world, and the rest of it just goes away. So that was around 1992 okay. when I was renamed. Now, do you have to explain your name to everybody? Does everybody ask you what it means? Oh, yeah. Everyone says, what the hell is Ibo Ibo? And then, of course, it gets bastardized by other things when they want to joke with you. Like, there's a Bangkok cashier checklist who loves to constantly call me Ebola instead of Ibo Ibo. <laughs> yeah. And I get the Ibo Ibo instead of Ibo Ibo on the potty of dirt road. They're, you know, constantly like, Ibo Ibo. And I'm like, no, it's Ibo Ibo, you shithead. Or, or Ibo Ibo and shit like that. But anyway, that is what it is. But I do have to explain it constantly. Hashing with Samurai was kind of... Short deployments. After Luxembourg, did, were you stationed somewhere else for long-term hashing? Oh, yeah. So I, I, I left Luxembourg. I went back to the States. Again, I was in a one-year holding pattern back in, in uh, D.C. as I was getting ready for my next onward. It was, again, mainly with the White House, Great Falls, periodically the, the D.C. men's. In 1993, I departed D.C. for a one-year assignment in San Francisco where I hashed all the time. Full-time, I was... I was very active with, obviously, the San Francisco hash, which was huge back then, and with, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. You know him. Um, the Gypsies? Gypsies, yes. So yes. With, Ron, with, with Rong John. Yes, with Rong John, yes. Yeah. And the funny thing is with Rong John is I saw Rong John against, you know, several interhashes many, many years later, and I'm like, Rong John, it's Ibo. But he didn't know me. You know, he barely knew me as Ibo Ibo because I was not yet, this was before. No, no, this was after I was named, right. So he... he, he but he's like looking at me like whatever. And then and I was like, hey, wrong, John. It's, it's Evo. I mean, this was probably at, I think this was at Bali the next time I saw him after San Francisco. I hadn't seen him for years. And, and then he finally, he finally came around to him. But it was, as you know, wrong, John, his brain cells, just like my brain cells, I think have been uh, pounded enough with enough hashing and beer down downs. And, and then the following one in, at Fiji, I had to remind Rong John again. Rong John. It's Ibo, Ibo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Rong John. Rong John's like that. And, uh, he, yeah. he 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 does a good job remembering names now. I don't know if it's another, but he he's pretty good. But yeah, he's yeah. He's got lots of forgotten memories, and a lot of his own stories are ones that people told him that happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was Rong John that I, I co-haired. I was the main hair, but I did. Uh, they 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 did an annual. Tutu, it was the San Francisco hash, but they did an annual tutu run. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember hearing this thing, running through the streets of San Francisco and Berkeley and everything else, and, and the pink tutu, and, and everyone on the hash wore a tutu. San Francisco, was, was a, it was a fun time. It was a different city then. It wasn't the, you know, full of human feces all over the type city. It was, it was, it was yeah. clean. It was fun. The hash was a good mixture and always uh, entertainment. They did the, the beta breakers every year. The hash did the beta breakers yeah. with people... As, as you may know, if you've ever been on that, with people running anywhere from naked to every kind of costume possible, yeah. uh, it was a good hash. It was a fun hash, a large hash, and uh, I didn't have any committee memberships, but I did fill in once in a while as RA, mm -hmm. again, because of my experience. Yeah, you hashed with the gypsies in San Francisco. Did you get down the coast to L.A. or San Diego ever? Never, never. Okay. I did not. Uh, only the gypsies in the San Francisco hash. Uh, and, and again, whenever there was a, a, you know, like the Beta Breakers weekend or, you know, so then, then you'd have, you'd have a lot of hashes that would come up from other 
other hashes in the U.S. especially. Yeah. But um, in fact, I still to this day hanging on my uh, one of my clothes hangers here. I've got my my old little green San Francisco SH H3 whistle, which you know in Thailand they don't use whistles. Right. It's, you know, it's, people don't blow, but in the U.S. they, they do a lot, and at least they did it. And I still have that hanging on my thing here, and the, and the off chance I ever get lazy and don't want to say on 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 trail. Anyway, I knew it was a one-year assignment, so that's when I uh, I left there, and that's when I was introduced to, or let's just call it reintroduced to Asia, because Manila was my first hash, but that's 94 is when I arrived in Thailand and then became super acquainted with, of course, all the, the Thai hashes. Yeah, so what was running in Bangkok then? There was a Bangkok Lady Harriet's and the Bangkok There was there were, there were there were three. I mean three in, in Bangkok. It was the Harriet's on the oh in Bangkok Mint, obviously BH three, then the the Harriet's and uh Bangkok Monday. So there were there were those uh those three. Uh later on, obviously later became the uh the Thursday Bangkok Thursday hash, the Bangkok full moon hash, the Nontabri hash. And the Sunday Sam. Those all came years later, but at my, at that time in 1994, it was those three in Bangkok. Now, of course, Chiang Mai had their hashes. Padia had the Padia H3 and the, the Dirt Road, which I was, I became a regular on, uh, and to this day remain a regular on the Dirt Road, Padia Dirt Road. And Phuket, Phuket had the Marauders. It had, I don't know if it had the Tin Man, but they, Phuket had its main hashes. All right. Some of the other cities, but for the most part, the big ones were, were the big areas were Chiang Mai, Phuket, Bangkok, and Pattaya in terms yeah. of hashing in the, in the in the early to mid nineties. Yeah, the big guys, but I mean, there are lots of them. I mean, Wanda yeah. from London, uh, Duke of Puke, Spain Dwarf, who's been here forever. Hash Hash, uh, Nemo Nemo was here. Obviously, Nemo might even have been GM of the of the men's at that time. Noriega, of course, Noriega's. Yeah. Uh, you know, been here forever. He, he was a, a regular on it. I mean, I could go on, but there were the same. A lot of the guys that I invited, for instance, my second marriage, my Thai, Thai ex, uh, uh, her name being uh, Powercomer, which was a very, I would say, appropriate name for a hasher. You'd think is something, some sexual connotation that you're married to someone named Powercomer, P-O-W-C-U-M-R. Ironically, it was one of those times where a lot of hash names, that, as you know and I know, there are a lot of hash names that are, that are appropriate and a lot of the hash names that are just bullshit. Hers was super, though, because she is a Thai lady who learned to hash through me, in other words, and, and went to the KL in her hash and um, Tasmania in her hash and, and, you know, enjoyed hashing. But she what mm-hmm. she didn't enjoy doing really was running a lot. And so she never or rarely ever came in to the end of trail under her own power. She always came in under a motorized power and thus a uh-huh. power number. Usually a took a took a motorcycle, a taxi, whatever it took, but she, she rarely came in under her own power. So anyway, but yeah, so that at that time they had the three hashes. I would say I was mainly a regular on the, the Monday and the and the Harriet's because again, I had my own work and usually I was passed out on Saturdays and so I did the men's but I didn't do the men's on, on a religious routine basis. I did the Paris and the Monday on a more religious routine basis. Yeah. And did you get involved in mismanagement early there? I did not. Um, again, I filled in as uh, RA or help, help with some things, but I mainly, it was just herring, herring and uh, filling in sometimes, but I was never, in those days, I was never in any official uh, capacity uh, in terms of, of the, the committee yeah. uh, in, in, in either of them, any of them. 
Yeah, all of those Thai cities are big tourist destinations. There's a lot of hashers that travel for any yep. reason end up going on them. I know the Harriet's uh, on the times I've been there was a big singing hash. Yeah. And was that true of all of them there? The men's and the Mondays too? All of them, although they, they, they tend to, let's just say, you know, especially I think, you know, more so with uh, the men, they tend to be more of a regular kind of routine song. Some of the more traditional ones and, and not in all of these variations, especially not along the lines that you would hear in the U.S. at a lot of hashes or some of the other hashes around the world where a long list of songs is always there. I would say definitely with the Harriets and the men, Monday, you tended to get other songs, especially with the business hashes, but not so much with the men's. And definitely not with the Potty of Dirt Road, which I was a regular member on. They are very traditional in terms of, you know, just one or, you know, one type song. And, and don't be singing all these other songs. Yeah, so. well, they have a lot of traditions that are unique to them as they, yes. as yeah. an event. I mean, we can talk about them. We can figure out whether you want to say, let's say something about Patty of Dirt Road for people who have never heard of it. Just. Uh, I, I, I'll just say that it, it's a it's a it's a male hash in, in Padilla. Uh, it's a in, invite only. A, a great group of, of hashers. I, I've uh, hashed with them since '95. I've got a 33 dirt roads. I think 33 or 34 dirt road hashes. I've haired several times. I haired with Papa Whiskey Woody, the owner of, of TQ, many times. I had that good fortune. But let's just so for people never TQ TQ is a bar. Yep, TQ is a bar. Uh, the oldest. Oldest rock and roll go-go bar in Patia. Unfortunately, presently right now, because of the COVID restrictions and bullshit, uh, it, is, it is shut down. But we are all keeping our fingers crossed that it will reopen on possibly, but I don't know with this Omicron crap. So Target is to reopen on 16 January. But the TQ has always had a role uh, with Hatchers in the sense that Hatchers frequent it. But it's also been, let's just call it the, the go-to bar for the Patia Dirt Road hash. And let, I would say less so in terms of uh, officially, but also unofficially or officially at times with the Padilla hash, the Monday hash in Padilla, which is uh, also long lived and a huge hash. And yeah, so, so we'll just say for, for the sake of, of, of the, uh, of the audience that the, the dirt road is, a, is a, a non-traditional, but it's still a traditional hash. You know, it's an invite only. It's a great hash. Just fill in some little sidelines for people. Let get them a little curious. It's a, a, once a month, there's a there's a run at inner hash. There's a dirt, inner dirt. There's often an inner dirt, not always, but there's often an inner dirt. Uh, I've I've had the good fortune of doing that. As a matter of fact, there was a inner dirt. In my my uh, second marriage was in Sydney, Australia, to the Thai power company I mentioned earlier, and they they had the inner dirt down there in Sydney, and I wanted to run it, but of course it was like two days after I was married, so I was going to not push the envelope too much. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's got a hefty run fee, and uh, people from far and wide do come back to Patty for it. Yeah, yeah, and again, it's 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 one of these things that once you're in it, you, you enjoy it, and it's a great group of guys, great group of guys. So again, that was down in Padilla. So I mean, it wasn't like I I was a regular down in Padilla simply because I I play golf, and of course it's Thailand, and I would in those days when I was at the embassy, I would I would be down in Padilla at least twice a month. And I'd head on down and, and uh, see my friends down there, a lot of the regular bars that I hung out at, but the, the main one being TQ and some of those associated with it. Uh, I was not a big Padia runner. As a matter of fact, I ran on one uh, probably circa 1995, 94, 95, 
And the next Padia Ace-3 that I ran on was the 35th anniversary last year or My God. this year, whatever. And, yeah, so you can imagine I got called in the circle. For, <laughs> Big backsliding. As, as a major backslider, yes. If it was hashing in Padia, it was the dirt. And Phuket, I, you know, I was able to do the, the Phuket. They're different than the Marauders and others, but the Phuket hash was a great hash. They used to, in those days... A lot of, I mean, large hash and a lot of good runners. And I was, I was a big front runner then. Different body, different, different muscles, I guess. And we're really into the, to the live hair, as was the samurai, you know, which we discussed earlier. The samurai was a very big live hair hash, mm-hmm. uh, which is, as you know, you have to have the right hairs to do live hashing. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise they just get caught. That was one of my, uh, I loved to be able to, in those days to do live hairs, and, and, and there weren't a lot of hashes, but Phuket was one of them that uh, did the live hair hash, hash yeah. samurai. All right, let's get into, you mentioned with Powercomer going to KL and Tasmania. What are, when did you first go to a World Interhash? The first World Interhash was KL. If we listen to Hazukashi and his research, or Nima or, or the others who now, I guess technically I, I wasn't at the Diamond Jubilee. I guess I was at the Diamond Jubilee minus one year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but we won't, get, we won't get into that. We'll just leave it the way it is. And so I was at the 60th anniversary, which was, of course, the, the KL Diamond Jubilee, and that was a wonderful interhash. I was a front runner. I was a true runner back then, and I did the ball breaker. Mm, okay. uh, which was in itself was a, a great 23 plus kilometers in the KL jungle. Uh, but if you ever heard the story, I mean, lots of us, people were getting back till uh, way late. Six people spent the night in the jungle because the yeah. trail got so fucked up after a while. Uh, one guy broke his leg on trail. Uh, it was truly a unique ball breaker, but that was still an overall uh, uh, an excellent uh, interhash, in my opinion, and that was my first. So you came in with the with the pack and got back to Merdeka Stadium for the evening. We were, yeah, it was one of those strange things. You know how Malaysians are; they they they, they like to award racers, as I call them in this case. Not just they actually handed out medals to the first three finishers. Finish, yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of strange, a little bizarre. Medals. We were in a quite a large pack uh, near the front. And it was a tough 23-some-odd kilometers in the jungle. And at one point, in fact, there was one check where we were there for 40 minutes trying to figure out this check. And it, we ended up having to do a 360 circle with about 50 hashers. And we were still one of the front-running groups. And we went on circle, finally found the trail, got back in the end. Near the front pack, at least in the top third of, of the hashers, you know, we, we were able to get some beer. That, that was about it. And then we realized that the buses were going back. You know, If you didn't get on the first bus back to Merdeka Stadium, you weren't even sure you were going to get there before they, the, the opening ceremony You know, that first day was over. And we got back. It was probably half an hour to go before Merdeka Stadium, the lights were turned off. So yeah. still a, a very interesting run, a, a tough run. I think, you know, one guy broke his leg on trail. You know, people were, we were coming in at three and a half hours and we were near the front pack. And then there was one hasher, and I do not recall his hash name, and five female hashers who spent the night in the jungle. Right. They yeah. they slept in the jungle and and were picked up the next day because they couldn't see anything. I mean, yeah. it was that dark in there. The KL hash in Merdeka Stadium was, was great, ironically. That was supposed to be, Malaysia is a Muslim country, and that stadium, you know, they don't serve alcohol. They allowed alcohol to be served there because they were tearing down the stadium. That was the plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And 20 years later, the stadium was still there. Yeah. And they said they were tearing it down again, and I think it's still still there. Yeah. 
They told us in 2018, yeah, that it was gonna, that was the last event it was getting torn down, but I've heard since then it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember anybody else that was on the ball breaker? Oh, gosh. I, I want to say um, that I do, but there were, there were so many of us. I don't remember if Hazukashi was at the Diamond Jubilee, and I, I don't think so. I think it was the later ones that, that then I started hashing with Hazukashi, so, and he was always doing the ball breaker. I don't remember if Bobo was there. No, as a matter of fact, I know Bobo was not there because I didn't meet Bobo until Burma, Yangon, so he was not on it. Uh, there were some Bangkok hashers that I knew. Specifics? I can't remember some of the specifics. Well, that is part one with Ibo Ibo. We will get back with part two and get the more specifics, more inner hashes, and more travel all around the hashing world with Ibo Ibo. This is the On On Podcast. Hasher history, hasher stories, hasher voices. New episodes every week. Until next time, On On. This is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot.